Blog Talk Radio. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on The Bottom Line with Joey L. On the New Evolution Radio Network.
Yes, yes, yes. Don't tell people what they what you know. Right. Keep them poor. The moment I pay you, you think like an employee. The moment you accept the paycheck, your brain goes dead. That's the trap. Entrepreneurs work for free. As long as you're hungry, you'll think. The school system was designed to teach you to be an employee or a doctor or a lawyer, a specialist, but never about money. The poor will always be amongst us because it starts up here. It's, it's in their words, you know, and the words become flesh. But when they say, I can't afford it or I can't do that, they go down. They become what they say. And I made so many people, I don't, I can't afford it. You think I made of money? My PhD dad, he says, what do you think I am, made of money? I can't afford that. And my rich dad would say, that's why he's poor. Poor people say, I can't afford it, I can't do that, I don't have time. Because this is an escape. It's an escape, you know what I mean? It's easy to say, I can't afford it. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I can't go to the gym. You know, when you could go to the gym, no, I can't. Truth is, I'm just too lazy to go to the And your rich dad used to say what instead of, I can't afford it? How can I afford it? How can I do that? A question opens a mind, a statement closes the mind. So when you say, I can't afford it, your mind shuts down and you become what you say. People right now who are sitting at home <clears throat> who are struggling financially or worried about money or unhappy, they may be making a lot of money, but unhappy with what they're doing. It was probably taught to you. You know, your super ego was taught, get a job, work hard, or you'll, or you'll never be rich, or the rich are evil, or whatever. Poverty is passed on. It's taught in your families. And middle class is taught in families. And until you change your mindset, Correct. money won't help you, right? Correct. And we see that with people that win the lottery, people that make more money, they still have the same problem. Right. Because they have that poor man's soul. Correct. If you're poor, you'll always be poor. That's really hard for people to understand. Yeah, the money will disappear that fast. Just like most pro athletes, you know, they make millions of dollars and what, 65% are bankrupt five years later? It's because they come from poor families. But unfortunately, what Mr. Lipton was saying, it's passed down genetically. That's the frightening thing. If you don't want to learn it, I can't help you. You know, I have bad luck too. I've, I've had financial crashes. I've had people stab me in the back. But they're all good because I grow from it. That's spirituality. You know, people who are afraid of making mistakes like they teach in school, they don't ever grow. 
because spirituality is as good and as bad, as right and as wrong, as up and as down. Most people only want to be right. They only want to be positive. Well, you can't have that. That's not reality. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. But the average guy is standing there, oh, I'm an A student, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this all on myself, and a, and a bunch of rugby players run you over, and you go, well, they're not playing fair. And what, you're, not, you're playing stupid. You should have a team. You should have accountants, attorneys, and bankers, and all that stuff. But that's not the game I want to play. I said, then don't play the game. You know, the, the game of business is played with accountants, attorneys, bankers, hate to say it, politicians. You know, you've got to know the game. You know, people say, well, money is not that important to me. Then if money is not that important to you, money is not important to you. I mean, you know what I mean? I don't care about money. The money doesn't care about you. You know, it, the word does become flesh. Or I'll never be rich. Or the favorite one is the rich are greedy. It's the poor that are greedy. You know, if you think about it, because to be rich, you have to give something. You know, you have to, I, I have to produce books and games and I, I purchase real estate, I provide housing, provide jobs and all that. That's why I'm rich. But greedy people produce nothing. You know, Einstein said, you know, imagination is more important than knowledge, but knowledge empowers imagination. And what most people lack is real business knowledge, like accounting, you know, like debt, like taxes. You gotta know that stuff, but they don't teach it in school to anybody. You see, most teachers in school, they're out of ethics. They teach subjects they, don't, they themselves don't practice because I understand what a fake teacher is. A fake teacher is somebody who just wants a job and they'll teach anything. You know, they teach how to shine shoes and get paid on more money. But they really don't know what they're teaching. In life, one of the things I suggest to people, you've got to find a real teacher versus a fake teacher. And a fake teacher is somebody who doesn't do what they teach. And a real teacher is doing what they teach every day. Our school systems are making our students weaker. So in school, they have these things called now trigger effects. So you can't, as a teacher, you can't say anything that might upset the student. They don't want anything that might jar their point of view. You see people say, well, why don't you give the poor money? But the only problem with that is it just creates more poor people. Give a man know. a fish, he fishes for the day, or eats for the day. Yeah, you give a man a fish, you get a lot of people who want more fish, you know. But you teach them to fish. We become creatures of our own habits. And until we break the habit, we don't change. Our schools don't teach that. Our schools teach almost the exact opposite of that. And the average person, the reason they're poor is they haven't failed. You know, they play it so safe. They haven't made any mistakes like they taught in school. That means they don't learn anything. That's why the school system is actually fundamentally corrupt. It's anti-education. So what I say to young people is you, you find your game. So my game financially is business, number one. Second is real estate. And that's why I pay no taxes. That's why Trump pays no taxes. Legally, it's a combination of business and real estate that gives us an unfair advantage over employees. 
because they don't know what to do. And a lot of people would rather sit in the stands than be in the game. One of the greatest ways to acquire great wealth is playing Monopoly in real life. Four greenhouses, one red hotel. But is that all there is? That's it. Robert, if I can give you uh, some kind of a magic phone and you could make a call to the 20-year-old Robert Kiyosaki and give that young man a bit of advice, what would you tell him? I would just say keep going. Just do what you have to do. Just you know, live it to the fullest, life, which I did. Nothing I ever did made sense. Now, could you imagine quitting a $120,000 a year job for $200 a month to go fight in Vietnam and almost die? It, it didn't make sense, but it was the best decision I made at that time. And I think what most people do is they let their parents or their friends talk them out of life. So afraid of failing, but failing is how we succeed. You look at the, you guys look at guys like Edison and all that. They failed like 10,000, no, 1,014 times before he invented the light bulb. You know, our schools punish you for making mistakes. That's why we have so many people who are so afraid of admitting they make mistakes or afraid of failing. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. There it is right there. And I want to share this with you because this paragraph, it was, I was instructed to look at that shortly after I started to read the book. And it was the start of changing everything. Now, you can't read that from here, so we'll blow it up. Hill says there's a difference between wishing for a thing and being ready to receive it. No one is ready for a thing until they believe that they can acquire it. That's not an easy thing to do. He said the state of mind must be belief and not mere hope or wish. Now, the last two lines are critical. 
Open-mindedness is essential to belief. Closed minds will not inspire faith, courage, or belief. There's the key. You, if you want to be ready for the success that you dream about, that Blaine had you playing with mentally, physically, if you're ready, then you believe. And if you don't believe, you're not ready. It's that simple. Now, this is the sad truth. Most people, it's hope and wish. Got to hope this thing happens. If I go there, I wonder if it'll happen. You've got to decide it's going to happen. It's got to be a decision you make. And it's got to be an irrevocable decision. It's not, it's not conditional on anything. This is exactly the way it's going to be done. You see, when you believe, everything else goes out the door. Now, how do you believe? Well, I talked about that earlier. Our belief system is based upon our evaluation of something. And frequently, if we reevaluate a situation, our belief about that situation will change. When Val said that to me, it was like bells going off in my head. I realized then how and why I had changed. I had been searching for nine and a half years. The change had taken place. My life had changed dramatically. But I had no idea why it had changed. People say, how did you do that? And I said, I'm, well, I don't know. I just do it. I have talked to all kinds of Olympians. I had a very good friend of mine, Mill Campbell, who's gone now, God bless him, but he was a gold medal decathlon winner. That means that on that day, he was the greatest athlete in the world. That's huge. And I remember him telling me, if he told me once, he told me a thousand times. He wanted down in Melbourne, at, at the Olympics in Melbourne. In, uh, and he... Uh, he said that he and Rayford Johnson were running around the uh, area that they had built for the Olympians. And Rayford said to him, what do you think is going to happen, Milt? And Milt said, I told him, I said, Rayford, you've wasted your time coming here. This is mine. Now, prior to that, that was in 1956. In 1952, he had gone to he watched Bob Matthias as a kid when he was 13. And he watched Matthias, who became a congressman out here at one time. Um, he went to London, and he became the greatest athlete in the world in 1948. And Milt saw that as a young boy. And he made up his mind. He was on the back of a Wheaties box that he was going to do that. At 13... He said, I am going to win the decathlon. His grandmother was raising him. He lived in Jersey. But he made up his mind he was going to win it. And four years later, he was in Helsinki. And he stood on the second step. Matthias wanted another gold. Matthias won the gold again. And Milt said, when I was standing on the second step, I made a commitment to myself. I was coming back in four years, and I was going to win the gold. Now, think of what he had to do. He had to train every day for the next four years. This is not lightweight stuff. And this is the real deal. I was running a meeting 
And where the hell was I? I was here. I had just got in my room. I hadn't even opened my bag. And the phone rang in my room. And I picked it up and it was Milt. And he, I said, you know, I started talking. He said, where are you? And I said, I'm in L.A. He said, I'm in L.A. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm here visiting with Bob Mathias. I said, really? I said, God, I'd love to meet him. And I said, why don't you bring him down? Why don't you come to lunch tomorrow? Bring him down. I'll have lunch with you guys. So he said, just a minute. He was gone from it. And he came back. He said, okay, Bob said he'd come. And so I was running a seminar for Prudential. This was quite a long time ago. Well, these two big guys come in. They sat down in the back of the room. And I knew who they were. I knew who Bill was. I didn't know who Bob was, but I knew who, I knew who was with him. And so um, they ducked out, and we had lunch, and we came back in. And uh, they said, yeah, you go ahead. So I told a story. I told a story about a young guy who was 13 that saw another guy win a gold medal in the decathlon. And he made up his mind he was going to do that. Now, he was living with his grandma. He was in New Jersey. The temperature's not very nice in New Jersey, a good part of the year. And he said, he remember, he was upstairs, and he'd be saying, I am the greatest athlete in the world. And one day his grandma said, Milt, this may not be for us. He said, Grandma, we're not doing it. I'm doing it. Now, I want you to compare the difference. He went back, he went in 52 to Helsinki, and he won the silver. But he said, I'm going back in four years. He had to figure out how he could do it. He didn't have the money to hire a trainer. His family didn't have any money. So he got an idea. See, when you fall in love with the idea... The way will be shown. You're going to believe that. You can't wish. Wishing and hoping doesn't cut it. If you're going to be ready, you've got to believe it. You've really got to believe it. He got the idea. He went to the government. He said, I'll join the service if you send me to Southern California and you permit me to train. I'll run under your banner. They cut a deal. They sent him down here. He had great trainers. He was in favorable weather. And he did that for four years. They paid him while he was learning. He didn't have enough money otherwise. And he went and he won the gold. Then I told him, I said, now the other guy, Milt's black. Matthias was white. Matthias was raised in Southern California. His dad was a doctor. They had all kinds of money, comparatively speaking. He was hiring the best best trainers in the world. He could train all year long. Their situations were so far apart, they were almost polar opposites on the surface. But they both did the same thing because they both held the same image. And then I introduced them, and I brought the guys went nuts, the people in the audience. They just, and I got them both to come up and talk about it. I've seen these things happen. I've worked with these people. I understand it. And I remember Milt was always saying, Milt had a key to my house. 
He's gone now, God bless him. But he had to keep my house. When he came to Toronto, he would just, it wouldn't matter if we were home or not, he could go and stay there. We were just great friends for a long, long time. But I remember he kept saying to me, he said, you know, I, I just, he, he, he couldn't get over this. He said, there was all kinds of guys in school that were better, better athletes than me, but they quit. <laughs> you say, you can't win if you quit. There is no quitting. It's got to be a commitment. And it's not going to be easy. Sandy's going to run you through here to something in a few minutes called the terror barrier. It gets to the point where you're damn good and scared. It gets to the point where the outside starts to take control of the inside and you swear to God you're going to lose if you keep going. But you've got to keep going. Let's first take a look at the ratification of the amendment, because this is a matter of... Given what most Americans believe, the next statement may be more shocking than any previous. The fact is, the United States is not a country, but a corporation contractually created by the Constitution. Your state is a country, per the law, and your original citizenship is of that country. Our founders instituted themselves to be first and foremost citizens of their respective states. As of 1787, those states already had formed a union, and they created the Constitution for the purpose of perfecting that union in forming a national government. They did not intend that the new nation have any jurisdiction or powers over the states or their citizens that were not specifically enumerated in the Constitution. They stated this point quite clearly in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the Constitution. They granted the United States exclusive legislation in all cases whatsoever over such district not exceeding 10 miles square as may become the seat of the government of the United States, our District of Columbia, and to exercise authority over all places purchased by the consent of the states. And that is all. The framers further secured the rights of the people with the Ninth and Tenth Amendments in the Bill of Rights. In the Ninth, they established that the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. And in the Tenth, they made clear that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. The only way the federal government can have any jurisdiction beyond these constitutional clauses is by written permission or contract. Which leads us to another piece of the puzzle, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution, ratified in 1868 following the Civil War. As barbaric as it may sound today, the black slaves, prior to the conclusion of the Civil War, were legally considered to be property, with none of the rights or privileges of free-born people, only duties. The money interests took advantage of America's desire to free the slaves and found a way to use the swiftly adopted post-war constitutional amendments to enslave all of the people. The deceit is in the wording of both 13th and 14th amendments. 
You will note that the 13th Amendment provides that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist within the United States. But why the emphasis on involuntary servitude? Isn't it the same thing as slavery? Sure it is. But they had to mention the concept of involuntary servitude because they wished to retain another type of slavery, voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude is an ancient and established concept. It was the way serfs became subjects to their lords during feudal times in England and other European countries. It was a way for free men to earn a living at a time when all property was held by a select few, and thus anyone who wanted to farm and support their family had first to agree to be subject to a lord of the land. Our forefathers hated this concept and designed our Constitution to exclude titles of nobility, making all Americans sovereign. The 14th Amendment turned the intention of the founders on its ear by making voluntary servitude a requirement for former slaves to gain the rights already guaranteed to free-born United States citizens. When the slaves were released from their involuntary servitude following the war, their status was changed from that of being property to that of being a person, but being a person still entitled them to none of the rights associated with citizenship. So the 14th Amendment ostensibly was written to provide the former slaves with the same constitutional rights of free-born American citizens, but only if they agreed first to become subject to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, making oneself paramountly, that is, first subject to the jurisdiction of the laws of the United States, however, limits access to parts of the Bill of Rights, as we'll explain in a moment. But first remember, anyone who voluntarily subjects himself to the laws or jurisdiction of another is, in every way, obligated to abide by the terms of any contracts or laws established by whomever establishes the rules of the contract. In simple terms, this meant that the former slaves became subjects first to the United States and secondly to the state in which they lived. They had no sovereignty whatsoever. This status had never existed in the United States prior to that time. The 14th Amendment created a new class of citizenship in the United States, a second-class citizenship. Up until 1868, every American was a paramount citizen of their state, and by virtue of that, also a citizen of the United States, with full individual sovereignty as guaranteed by Amendments 9 and 10 in the Bill of Rights. But so-called naturalized citizens, or 14th Amendment citizens, are paramountly subject to all laws of the United States and, having no status as freeborn citizens, have no access at all to the unenumerated rights retained for the people by Articles 9 and 10 of the Bill of Rights. That's because, in order to get any rights at all, they had to subject themselves to the jurisdiction of the corporate United States, which left them no unenumerated rights. The only rights they had were those specifically written into the Constitution. The sad tragedy of America today is that all U.S. citizens, regardless of race, are now 14th Amendment slaves due to contracts with the government of the United States through Social Security, birth certificates, driving licenses, citizenship statements, tax forms, and many other documents. The true paramount citizenship that all Americans deserve is that of their respective state 
which is a sovereign citizenship. Such status would exempt them from federal and state income taxes, as well as property and inheritance taxes. This sovereign citizenship was the status held by our forefathers. Now, if you're still thinking that the U.S. government needs to have a central bank and collect income tax or it will collapse, think again. Over two-thirds of the federal government's income is derived from sources other than income tax. There is even evidence suggesting that none of your income tax is used by the government. Fees, excise taxes, tariffs, sales taxes, and other forms of income have easily supported the U.S. budget in the past and could easily support it now. We have done without a national bank for large stretches of our history, and the U.S. Treasury is perfectly capable of printing and managing a money supply. In fact, the only constitutionally sanctioned currency is backed by gold or other precious metals. This is a far more stable form of currency and is the type of money the Treasury was designed to handle. The government was doing so well collecting money under these original laws that it had amassed a huge surplus by the time this cartoon was penned a hundred years later in 1887, when there still was no income tax collected at all. Up to this point, we have shown you how the money interests have, one, established the Federal Reserve System, and two, exploited a second class of citizenship created by the 14th Amendment for other purposes, and we have mentioned a few names involved in the creation of the Fed. But there are other organizations working for our economic enslavement as well, along with other extremely rich and powerful international bankers. Those who support the Fed have created a global movement to centralize economic power in various puppet organizations that preach peace and stability through some variation of socialism, but act aggressively to draw nations into a web of foreign debt and servitude to their agenda. The United Nations, the World Monetary Fund, and the Council on Foreign Relations are all committed to an agenda of world domination through manipulation of economic power. The Council on Foreign Relations openly admits to being a private club, yet it is the primary recruiting post in both international banking and the federal government of the United States. Richard Nixon, Nelson Rockefeller, John Foster Dulles, Dean Rusk, Alger Hiss, Robert S. McNamara, and every president since FDR, with the exception of John Kennedy, have been members of this exclusive club where super financiers and your elected representatives can mix freely and plan the next step in the consolidation of power in a new world order. Don't even think about changing the station. You're listening to The Bottom Line with your host, Joey L. Shackles on my feet. Take the air I breathe, yeah. I'm free.
carpet, I was so fly. Gone deep, but I won't cry. I'm just trying to die Mozart. Hundred grand in a green duffel. Trying to figure life, but still seem broken. Intoxicated as my daughter cries. I wake up horny, that's the ball of I'm off a road, shackles off the feet. Cops still killing, am I truly free? Thinking about the lies, Donald Trump tell us. Iceberg shit, Donald Duck sweater. Cold snapping pictures, I'm so photogenic. You either die a legend or they won't remember. Is there a heaven for street niggas? So many homies gone, started in the street with us. Guess it's the reason why we celebrate. Cop cars, pop bottles, happy to escape. Penthouse with the sky view. I woke up feeling free and I locked up. Take the air I breathe, yeah. I'm free.
You'll never get this on CNBC. But our school system will never tell us that because they're part of the process. Fake money, fake teachers, fake assets. I know the game of the rich. My rich dad taught me. You know it because you're the banker. The bankers and the rich play is different than what they teach you in school. All over the world, what does school teach you about money? And the answer is nothing. And that's not a mistake. That's not an accident. I knew that. Most people know that. The way to keep the poor and middle class working hard is never teach them what the rich know. So if you read Rich Dad Poor Dad, which came out in 1997, it's what the rich teach their kids about money, the poor and middle class do not. Poverty hurts. I mean, I don't like it. And I don't like that our academic system is so corrupt. You know, we, we know the banking system is corrupt. We know politics is corrupt. But, ac but academics is just as corrupt. I mean, one thing if it's the banking and the politics, but this is where we send our children and we trust them to do the right things for them. And yet they're being not taught something so fundamental. Like you asked your dad when you were a kid, Dad, you asked your teacher, when are you going to tell, teach us about money? And it was just never. Well, never. And they'll never will. You know something. What do you know? Share it. What is financial education? It's not get a job, work hard, save money, and invest in a well-diversified portfolio, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. The financial industry is two things, debt and taxes. In 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, and the U.S. dollar became debt. And we still tell kids to go to school, get a job, work hard, save money and get out of debt. Now who tells them to do that? That's the most ridiculous thing there is. The book starts and it says lie number one, saving money will make you rich. Yeah, it never will. You well, know that. All taught that as kids. Why would you save it and why would you work for it if they can print it as faster than you can work for it? Why do you keep saving when they're printing it? The rich don't work for money. Don't you touch that stuff. It's very subtle, right? Yep. They don't say I'm going to train you to be a worker bee the rest of your life, but they educate you in a way where that's what you come out. Right. What else was he, what was he trying to do those first few months where you were working for him? What was he trying to get across to you? Because he taught you the hard way about money. And she says, if you're going to be a successful in your life, you've got to find the best teachers. And a great teacher is somebody who comes from the inside, not the outside. But in school, you don't know if your instructor is for real or not. That's where the fake teacher comes from. I said, I want you to teach me about money. So it was, so why should I teach you? He says, but if I teach you, you work for me for free. And I said, why for free? My dad, my poor dad went nuts. He says, because if I pay you, you think like an employee. Your, brains will, your brain will change. If you learn never to work for money, you'll be a rich man. And this is powerful. Once you give someone a paycheck, their brain turns off. Correct. Because it's, and then the promise of a pension. Right. And job security. Which is kind of a paycheck in disguise. Correct. After you stop working. Give the man a fish, eats for the day, teach him to fish, eats Correct. for a lifetime. And most poor people confuse assets for liabilities. They think their home is an asset, it's actually a liability. Right. An asset is a noun, like a house. Cash flow is a verb. So to understand if it's an asset or liability, it takes a noun plus verb. 
So if the cash is flowing out of your pocket, it's a liability. If the cash is flowing into your pocket, asset or it's an asset. So I own 7,000 rental properties. Those are assets. Every month, the cash flows in. Whereas many people have the big house on the hill and the cash is flowing out. Right. And they're going broke. Right. It's like a, a frame of mind. The other thing the poor don't understand is the number one expense for most people is taxes. And yet we don't even see it. Isn't that weird? You walk around and you look at the paycheck and say, ah, oh, that doesn't seem right. And you don't realize that the government's got a huge hand in your pocket and you are doing nothing to minimize that. Again, Correct. this is what's very different about the rich and the poor. The rich don't work for money. His number one expense is tax. See, there's three kinds of income. Earned, portfolio, passive. So earned income is if I get a job, that's earned income. If I'm a doctor or a programmer, that's earned income because I'm working for it. If I buy, a, if I buy let's say, Apple for $10 and I send it for 20 that's uh, portfolio income, capital gains. Yeah. But passive income, which is cash flow, is never taxed. And so these guys are screaming right now in America, taxed to rich. I said, good luck. Because most of the guys complaining, they don't know the three kinds of income. And the rich don't have jobs anyway. They have assets. And so the average schmo out there, a poor guy, you know, sent the kid to school, they don't learn this. You see, very few people will buy what I do make a million dollars and pay zero tax. And my rich dad taught me that playing Monopoly. That's how it started, you know, four greenhouses, one red hotel. Or the McDonald's formula, I write about it there. McDonald's, Ray Kroc. Yeah. McDonald's is in the real estate business, so they sell hamburgers, but they buy real estate, so they pay no taxes. You know, this guy Bezos, what, he's $16 billion. How much tax did they pay on that $16 billion? And that's all legal. Anyone can do it. Everybody can do but it. But most people lack the education. So once you learn how to use debt as money, you can never say, I can't afford it. See, because the banks will give you. So the banks, after the crash of 2008, the banks gave me $300 million tax-free. When I asked the average guy, I said, can you, why don't you use debt? They can't even get a loan. Because their scores, their FICO scores, I don't even have them here, are so bad. The school teachers will never tell you that because they don't know it. My poor dad never knew that. You don't know if something is an asset or a liability until you can see which way the cash flows. So a house, is it an asset or a liability? Well, if it's taking money from your pocket, it's a liability. If it's putting money in your pocket, it's an asset. The U.S. government wants me to provide housing, wants me to provide jobs, wants me to borrow money because that's how money is created through debt, I get huge tax breaks. Everybody can do the same thing if they had the financial education to do it. If people understood the tax code, we'd be more prosperous. But can poverty be passed through genetically? Yes. Because it's some type of way of thinking. It's an attitude. An attitude. It's very simple. When, I, when people ask you, how do I stop it? I just say, never say, I can't afford it. Ask yourself, how can I? The reason I have so much money is because I don't say I can't do it. I just go, how can I do it? And I just go and do it. I make a lot of mistakes, but that's how I learn. How can I? The poor people, like my poor dad, always said I can't afford it. You think I'm made of money? I'm a school teacher. I can't do that. And I picked that up. And my rich dad never said those words. 
So when I meet poor people, they use the words, I can't, a lot. So the people that say, I can't afford it, I can't do this, I can't get to college, the rich are evil, you know, I choose not to participate in that. And that's one thing people could change today. Correct. Right now, is that dialogue in their head. Stop saying the word can't. I can't. Right. So how can I? How can I? Especially as in, I can't afford it, how can I afford that? Right. Because that opens them up to looking at it as an investment to a greater future. Right. You know, when I borrowed $300 million, I couldn't do it when, until I went to ask. And I got turned down so many times. I said, you know, and every time I, I showed the bank of my financials and they go, sorry, I said, look, do me a favor. Why did you turn me down? See, tell me. This is out, the numbers are out here. So I said, if I get these numbers fixed, can I come see you again? He goes, sure. So it's called rejection. The same as my wife rejected me for six months. It's just a matter of personal willpower, which is spiritual. Just saying, if they can do it, I can do it. And how can I? How can I? And I think it's you once said, words become flesh. Yep. Bible too. Intelligence increases through your mistakes, through the ups and downs, through what you've learned. Real estate's real estate, but what I learned made me richer, not the money. <laughs> you don't need money to make money. You know, I think all of us, every human being has that low point in their life. And if they get the message, a new life begins. If they don't get the message, they keep going down. The richer I got was because I didn't need any money. I could use this to make money. But how did I get there is I made a lot of mistakes. People are afraid of making mistakes and all this fear of failing. It limits them. Nice, nice, so very nice. So many people trapped in the same device. Every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Tune in every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet and his and her culture. Laced with gold. Laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. Love. Lift. Life. 
much into your mind, body, and soul. Somehow we have bought into a shoebox full of fallacies, and one of them is that it's all right to be poor. Whenever you see people prospering, always rejoice and bless them in your heart. Always do that. And you see, you magnetize yourself for that good when you bless other people. But you know, if you have a jealous spirit, oh, look at that. Why should they have that when I've got so little? Yeah, because you, you work, you operate your mouth against yourself. That's why. There's a verse of scripture also said, that says, Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. You know, the mouth can be a dangerous thing until you learn how to operate it positively. <laughs> Some people are like a prosecuting attorney against themselves. Every time you think of something good, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, but I know, I just know I, I sure wish. No, but I can't. But oh, I sh- Lord, I sure wish. Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. Don't do that. That, that stems from your grand perennial roots and, and my perennial roots. <laughs> remarks that I heard so persistently was that all I want is just enough to get back. And then the ones that my generation used was, how's it going, man? I made it. I made it. Now, that's another thing, and I want to warn you about this. You know, a lot of people are good at visualizing things for other people. Yeah, that's for Rockefeller. (laughs) That's for those rich people. You'll pass by those mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills that look this is where the rich people live. Look, look at that. That's for them. And you're really telling yourself, well, that's for them. I see them with it. But I don't see myself with it. Making what? <laughs> the standstill syndrome of hold on has been the banner of black America since we were imprisoned in this country and culture. Survival was of the utmost importance. Just to live through was the theme of survival for the captured Africa. Okay, if you can see it for other people, why can't you see it for yourself? I taught people to do this. Here's a little technique. That whenever you see people being, doing, and having good, always be glad for them. Always rejoice for them. And, you know, say good things about them in your mind. I said, look at that old rich so-and-so. The Bible says, curse not the rich. Reverend Ike says, if you curse the rich, you'll never be one of us. (laughs) It became a fixed mechanism in the pseudo-culture that the African was developing in this, quote, foreign land, unquote. How to survive. 
the need to survive. A whole syndrome of survival is a slave mentality syndrome. I remember some years ago, I uh, drove up to our place up in the mountains in, in Monterey overlooking the, the ocean and my custodian at that time was a very fine gentleman who met me outside and he saw that brand new mink silver gray and blue Rolls Royce Corniche. And he said to me, he said, oh, Reverend Ike, he said, I saw this car in my visualization the other day. I say, yeah, but you made one mistake. You didn't see yourself with it. <laughs> so I got it. Prosperity is the correct concept for the African, where most of the wealth of the planet has been drawn from. Most of the gold, most of the silver, most of the diamonds, rubies, emeralds, pearls, Africa, that says the land from which we adhere is a rich land, a land flowing with milk and honey, that God's so-called chosen were sent to that land as a promised land. And when you decide it, you've got to do what? Believe it. Another picture, look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet and his and her culture, laced with gold, laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. It's back here, the idea to be rich, to be prosperous, to be well-to-do, okay? The illusion of poverty is just that. It is an illusion. In this teaching, that would indicate, yes, law, meaning that you have an affirmative attitude toward the law which works to bring you to the demonstration of the good that you believe. In this cycle we are in of high dispensation that includes wealth. You're supposed to get back something. Surely God is able. Say that. Surely God is able. Say it again. The third time. And I like to make it so very personal and say it this way. Surely God in me is able. Say it again. Spiritual prosperity includes material prosperity. It includes mental prosperity. It doesn't exclude anything. The masters who presented themselves to a given people renounced material materiality because they were demonstrating spirituality. They didn't need to harness and 
sack of anything. They could have anything they wanted when they wanted it. When you believe, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe. That's real prosperity consciousness. To have what you need and want when you need it and when you want it. It is not having a large bank account. Because the bank owner might go off with your money. <laughs> In your consciousness, that's where prosperity is. See it! Let's hear it! See it! This deals with visualization. We're not listening to whom we're supposed to be listening to. We're listening to the things that worry and trouble us. The things that confuse us occupy much of our minds. There's an answer for every question. There's a solution to every problem. Where is it? Inside. It is important that you learn how to work in the theater of your mind. And I want to leave that term with you. Say, the theater of my mind. There's no more God out here than there is in there. Now, I'm going to tell you something important because, see, somehow we don't think we're supposed to get rich unless we work and save our money. And that's a practical, good way to do so. And, and I'm not going to knock that. You know, you know it, 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 as much as I dislike eight hours a day, <laughs> it, it's practical and it's significant and it gives a, a sense of purpose and direction. Wealth is given. It is not earned. I now enter into the theater of my mind and look upon the stage of my imagination. So you've got it set there. And, you, and then I will say, I see myself. And then you describe yourself as you wish to be. So repeat this after me. I now look upon, I now enter the theater of my mind. And look upon the stage of my imagination. And I see myself as I wish to be. While we sit here, somebody's getting rich. And I want you to think about that instead of somebody tricking you out of your check. Money is an idea. How many ideas can you contain? What is it that brings you your good? Oh, there I am. Look how healthy I am. Look how happy I am. Listen to the way I'm laughing. I'm just the exact weight that I want to be. Look at that. My dimensions are as I would have them to be. Just look at me. And look at all that money around. What are you passionate about? 
What is it that you really love with all your feelings? And you transfer that to money. Yes, you can. If you want to. So learn how to see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Enter the theater of your mind. Look upon the stage of your imagination and see yourself. And it's important that you see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Systematically, this man kept trying to destroy everything that something was giving him. He was doing it to himself, not the white boy. He was doing it to himself. Very good. The power of the word, spoken word. And we need to control that faculty. Huh? Because we take words and throw them like daggers. And they get results. Yes, you got to see it. You remember Flip Wilson, the comic, who used to say, what you see is what you get. That's true. And the man who said to me, well, Reverend, I got saw this Rolls Royce carnation in my visualization. He made the mistake. He didn't see himself with it. So, also, when you see people with good, always say also, and when you pass those fine homes, fine cars, people are looking good, say, that's for me. Let me hear you say it. Say it again. See, bless it, bless them, and say, that's for me. That means that you include yourself in that idea of good. Let my tongue repaint ya It's already wet 
Have you had a brainstorm? Everywhere a nigga take you, just know to my face good. Modify your energy so your bank and your skin glow. Max feel, let it fly. Have you ever near a lot? Just to show you I don't care, go wear it to that nigga out. We don't share our whereabouts or the gossip, the hood love. That's supreme confidence. If we good, that's good enough. Even wow. in the why can't you agree with me for once? Maybe we can be on chill tonight. Maybe I can make you chill. We've been on a tragedy for once. Why can't you agree with me for once? Maybe we can be on chill tonight. Maybe I can make you chill. How about that? I'm tired of making up and falling out. Wanna be the nigga you can't have. pick your body up when you're done and out. Now, what we're going to do tonight, 
excuse me, I did. Like my joint. Now, we're going to go into this because I, I thought this, you know, I, I found the Civil Rights Act of 1866 pretty goddamn interesting. And there's a lot of things that stand out to me, right? And I, and I love how the brother Jonah brought this shit out, you know, so that y'all can relook at this. You know, I encourage you to read that Byron Allen case, and I probably will bring that up at some point and read that. Okay, but we're going to go into this, and we're going to read it. And I just want y'all to, you know, take your time when you're going through these documents. Because you don't want to miss shit. You, you don't want to miss the point. Now, let me get into it. And then we're going to go into some of these strategies of war. Now, the 39th Congress, Section 1, Chapter 31, 1866, as an act to protect all, quote, persons in the United States and their civil rights and furnish the means of their verification, of, of their vindication, excuse me. Being enacted by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled, that all persons born in the United States are not subject to any foreign power, excluding Indians not taxed. Now we know what that's the most longer for, right? Now, are hereby declared to be citizens of the United States and such citizens of every race and color without regard to any previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude, except as for punishment for crimes where the party shall have been duly convicted. Okay? shall have the same right in every state and territory in the United States to make and enforce contracts to sue, be parties, and give evidence to inherent purchase, lease, sell, hold, and convey real and personal property. Okay? And the full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons and property as it is enjoyed by white citizens and shall be the subject to like punishment, pains, and penalties and to none other any law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or customs to the contrary notwithstanding. Section 2. Be it further enacted that any person who under the color of law, statute, ordinance, regulation, or custom shall subject or cause to be subjected any inhabitant of any state or territory to the deprivation of any right secured or protected by this act or to different punishments, pains, or penalties of an, on account of such persons having at any time been held in condition of slavery or involuntary servitude, except as for punishment for a crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, or by reason of his color or race, then is prescribed for the punishment of white persons, shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor. And no conviction shall be punished by fines not exceeding $1,000 or imprisonment not exceeding one year or both in the discretion of the court. Section 3. Be it further enacted 
that the district courts of the United States within their respective districts shall have exclusively of the courts of several states. I want y'all to hear that. Okay. They've given them concurrent jurisdiction. Okay. Now, let me keep going. Cognizance of all crimes and offenses committed against the provision of this act and also concurrently within the circuit courts of the United States of all causes, civil and criminal, affecting persons who are denied and cannot enforce in the courts or judicial tribunals of the state or locally where they may be of any right secured by them. The first section of this is not and if any suit or persecution, criminal or criminal, has been or shall be or shall be commenced in any state court against any such person for any cause whatsoever or against any officer, civil, military, or other person, for any arrest or imprisonment, trespass, or wrong done or committed by virtue or under color of authority derived from this act. Now, y'all know what color of law is, right? Let me just pull this up because it's really important that we understand what color of law is. Because if you don't, you're having a problem from the beginning. Let's, let's just pull it up. Now, in the United States, the term color of law denotes a more semblance of legal right, the pretense or appearance of, Okay? An action done under the color of law adjusts the law, adjusts the law to the circumstance. Yet, said apparently legal action controverses the law. So, understand that the deprivation of rights under the color of law is also in the section uh, 242 of Title 18. Okay, if you have one of those passenger IDs from them, you'll see that on there, right? They cannot discriminate against you under the color of law. Now, <clears throat> because they do that shit to y'all niggas all the time. Now, let me keep going. And by the way, they got rid of the Freedmen's Bureau, okay? Because it mentions the Freedmen's Bureau, but they got rid of the Freedmen's Bureau. Okay. Now, the Freedmen and refugees in all acts uh, amendatory thereof are refusing to do any Upon, act upon the grounds that it would be inconsistent with this act. Such defendants shall have the right to remove such cause for trial to the proper district court in the manner prescribed by the act relating to the habeas corpus and regulating judicial proceedings in certain cases. Approved March 3rd, 1863 and all acts amended thereof. The jurisdiction in civil and criminal matters, hereby conferred to the district and circuit courts of the United States, shall be exercised in course in conformity with the laws of the United States, so far as such laws are equitable to carry the same into effect. But in all cases, where such laws are not adapted to the object or a deficient in the provision necessary to furnish suitable remedies and punish offenses against law. The common law is modified and changed by the Constitution and statutes of the state wherein the court having jurisdiction of the cause 
civil or criminal. It shall so far as the same is not inconsistent with the Constitution and the laws of the United States. This shit is, this shit, listen, this is a lot of reading. But I, I'm going to read it because some people ain't going to read it. So I'm going to read it for y'all. Let me keep going. And the damn print's so goddamn small. All right, here we go. Section four. Be it further enacted that the district attorneys, marshals, and deputy marshals of the United States, the commissioners appointed by the circuit, and the territorial courts of the United States with powers of arresting, imprisoning, imprisoning, or bailing offenders against the laws of the United States, the officers and agents of the Freedmen's Bureau, and every other officer who may specifically empower by, be empowered by the President of the United States shall be, and they are hereby specifically authorized and required at the expense of the United States to institute proceedings against all and every person who shall violate the provision of this act and cause him, him or them to be arrested and imprisoned or, or bailed, as the case may be, for trial before the Court of the United States or a territorial court by this act, uh, excuse me, by this act has cognizance of the offense. Okay. Now, it says that with every, with the view of affording every reasonable protection to all persons in their constitutional rights of equality before the law, without distinction of race or color, or previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted and the prompt discharge of the duties of this act, it shall be the duty of the circuit court of the United States and the superior court of the territories of the United States from time to time to increase the number of commissioners as to afford speedy and convenient means for the arrest and examination of persons charged with a violation of this act. And such commissioners are hereby authorized and required to exercise all discharge for the powers and the duties conferred to them by this act. Right? Everybody's under oath. Right? Over and over again. Everybody's under oath. Right? And the same duties with regard to the offenses created by this act, they are authorized by the law to exercise with regard to other offenses against the laws of the United States. Now, you know what's really interesting about this is there's another civil rights act that they did in the 60s, and that deals with your 14th Amendment all day long. I don't know, I mean, this is a mouth, man. You keep going on. Let me make sure I spot it. Because, see, here's the other thing about this act, too. Y'all all need to get y'all a certified copy of this from the Library of Congress. This is the 39th Congress, Session 1, Chapter 31, 1866. You got to get a copy of this. Put this in your case. All right, let me go to the next one. Section 6. 
actually, let's go to section. Let's go back. Let's go to section five. And being further enacted, that it should be the duty of all marshals and deputy marshals to obey and execute all warrants. You hear that, right? Okay. And precepts issued under the provisions of this act, when they, when them directed. And should any marshal or deputy marshal refuse to receive such warrant or other process when tendered, or to use all proper means diligently to execute this, the what is it? To execute the same. He shall on conviction thereof be fined in the sum of one thousand dollars to the use of the person upon whom is accused is alleged to have committed the offense. And the better to enable the commissioners to execute their duties faithfully and efficiently in conformity with the Constitution of the United States and the requirement of this act. They are hereby authorized and empowered within their counties respectively to appoint in writing under their hands any or more suitable persons from time to time to execute all such warrants and other processes that may be issued by them in the lawful performance of their respective duties. And the person so appointed to execute any warrant or process aforementioned shall have the authority to summon and call there and aid by the bystanders or, hear this, the posse comitatus. Now, let me just, you know, do y'all know what the posse comitatus is? I'm going to pull up the definition for you because you, because this word has been brought up a few times. The Posse Comitatus in common law is a group of people who mobilize by the conservator of peace, typically a sheriff, to suppress lawlessness or defend the county. The Posse Comitatus originated in the 9th century England, simultaneously with the creation of the office of the sheriff. Now, now, let me go a little deeper for you. The Posse Comitatus is a United States federal law. 18 U.S.C. 1385. Okay? It was originally, um, they codified it. It was under Statute 152. Now, signed on June 18, 1878 by President Rutherford Hayes, the purpose of the act in concert with the Insurrection Act of 1807. Go read that. It's to limit the powers of the federal government and using federal military personnel to enforce domestic policy within the United States. It was passed as an amendment to an Army Appropriation Bill following the end of the Reconstruction, which was updated in the 50s. Now, check this out. They updated it in 1956. Do you know what else was done in 1956? Right, the so-called annexation of Morocco, Pati Kamatatis. Okay. Now, remember that. Very important for you to remember that because they put this right here in the act. Why are they putting Pati Kamatatis in the act? Unless, unless they specifically know. Unless they specifically know that there could be a rebellion. 
We're talking about military power here. See, I have a document that I, I still have yet to bring on the air because it's such a sensitive document. <clears throat> but I mean, it goes into this. We talk. What are we talking about right now? There's warfare. This is why it's important to understand the rules of engagement, the rules of war. I'm, I'm not reading this shit for my health. I've read this. And, and niggas, no, I gotta love y'all because this shit is in such small print. Alright? Now, let me keep going because the posse comitatus, as they call it, right? Believe it or not, is the militia, the federal militia. <laughs> Section 6. Be it further enacted that any person who shall knowingly and willfully obstruct, hinder, or prevent any officer or any other person charged with the execution of any warrant process issued under the provision of this act, any person ha- having lawfully assisting him of them from arresting any person from uh, apprehension, such warrant or process may have been issued and shall be and shall rescue shall be the rescue or rescue attempt of such persons from the custody of the officer. Now check this out, right? Because if you go read the act, right, with the Moors, right, and it's expatriation citizen and all that citizenship, you have a right as a Moor to set people at liberty. You can set persons at liberty within the dominions. People who are in custody. Now, it says that an arrest or warrant or process shall have been issued as aforesaid, as to prevent his discovery and arrest after notice or knowledge of the fact that a warrant has been issued for the apprehension of such person shall for either of that said offenses be subject to the fine not exceeding $1,000 and imprisonment not exceeding six months by indictment and conviction before the District Court of the United States. Now, you know what's funny about the District Court, right, is they'll tell you that they don't have concurrent jurisdiction to do things like national And yet right here in this action tells me that they've given them discretion. So discretion. And it starts on that level. Okay, let's keep going. Section 7. Be it further enacted that the district attorneys, the marshals, and the deputies, and the clerks of the said district court and the territorial courts shall be paid for their services for like fees as may be allowed for them for similar services in other cases. And in all other cases where the proceedings and before the commissioner shall be entitled to a fee of $10 and full for his services. Now, here's another thing. When you're doing shit and these clerks don't want to file shit, they have an oath too. They're paid to do certain things. Okay. Very important that y'all start using documents to your benefit. Let's go to the next one. 
Actually, y'all, this copy that I have, y'all, excuse me, this copy that I have, it's four pages, which is, it is, the, the act is short, but we, we put over the most important part of it. Now, what's really interesting about this is it's so short. I'm going to pull up this Byron Allen joint. Just a second. Because this, this shit is interesting, and I'm gonna pull it up because I want y'all to see why he used it. I'm gonna pull up the case transcripts. Woo, such a long case. It's a long case. It really is. But let's let's look a little bit into it. Because it is such a long fucking case. Now this case was against in the Supreme Court of the United States. The Comcast Corporation, the petitioners <coughs> excuse me, versus the National Association of African American Owned Media. On a writ of Satorius, the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit Court. A brief for the United States. Right? So they did their own brief. Right, but let's, let's see if we can find something else. Hold on. <clears throat> now, I'm going to read this. Let's see if it provides the clarity for us and how other people are using this. Now, on April 9th, 1866, Congress of the United States enacted the first civil rights bill in the history of the country. The other thing is to be aware that persons born take not into any form Indians not taxed or hereby declared citizens of the United States. And such citizens of every race and color without regard to any pre- previous condition of slavery or involuntary servitude should have the same right in every state and territory in the United States to make and enforce contracts to sue be parties and give evidence to inherit, purchase, lease, sell, hold, and convey real and personal property and to fulfill, excuse me, and to full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons and property as it is enjoyed by white citizens. Now, since that this act, now known as the Civil Rights Act of 1866, made significant contributions that difficult transitions of, quote, African Americans from slavery to freedom in the post Civil War years. The first challenge the act received from the President of the United States, Andrew Johnson, in his strongly worded veto message denied both the proprietary and the constitutionality of the act. He declared that it is now proposed by a single legislative enactment to confer the rights of citizens upon all persons of African descent born within the extended limits of the United States. While persons of foreign birth who make our who make our land their home must undergo a probation of five years and can only then become citizens uh, upon proof that they are of good moral character attached to the principles of the Constitution and well disposed to the good order and happiness of the state. Had the president known his history, 
he would have been aware that persons of, quote, African descent have been on probation in this country for more than two centuries. And under the careful tutelage of the deeply religious uh, you know, white owners, as they say, they must have been under high moral character of unquestionable loyalty. I, I call bullshit on that because you all y'all have to remember that we ran the government up until the 1860s, okay? Now, since Johnson further argued that the Constitution did not confer that the Congress, uh, that the power to make rules and regulate the acts of the state, he seemed unaware of the power and conferred on the Congress by the 30, excuse me, by the 13th Amendment to enforce the provisions that neither slavery nor involuntary servitude shall exist in the U.S. The testimony before the Joint Committee on Reconstruction contained ample evidence of the efforts on former slave owners to reclaim their former slaves by a series of state laws and policies against which former slaves were helpless. In subsequent years, the act continued to play a role defining the status of, quote, black Americans in the United States and in the nation. When Congress revised the United States Code in 1874, it continued to regard the act as an important factor in protection of the rights of freedom. Thus, the principal provisions of the Civil Rights Act of 1866 became the Section 1981 of the revised uh, U.S. Code, right? And the revisers went so far as to cite judicial interpretation of the 1866 Act in the matter of Turner, for the example, Chief Justice Salmon Chase on the circuit court held that an, in, that an indenture of black apprentice to a white employer had violated the Civil Rights Act of 1866 when the contract failed to include the guarantee that she be taught to read, when the state required that white apprentices be taught to read. They considered her white, right? Now, this affirmed what Senator Lyman Truebell as asserted on April 4th, 1866, when the Civil Rights Act was under consideration. And they said, quote, to be a citizen of the United States carries with it some rights. Some rights. What are they? Trumbull asked. Answering his own question, he said, they are those inherent fundamental rights which belong to free citizens or free men such as the rights enumerated in this bill, and they belong to them in the States of the Union. So you see, when they made you a U.S. citizen, they gave you some rights that was equal to what a free man would have, is what the fuck he's saying. See? So you get some rights. You may not get all of them, but you get a few. You, you get a couple. Let me keep going. Cause I, I ain't gonna lie. When y'all read these laws, they boring as a motherfucker. This is why niggas don't like to read. This shit is boring. It is. You you really have to think outside the box when you read this shit. Because you gotta look at what the problem is. What's the first thing they say? Indians not taxed. This act, there's an act excluding Indians not taxed. Well, shit, y'all just excluded us right away. That's a misnomer. Now, in subsequent years, the act continued to play a role, defining the status of, quote, black Americans. When Congress revised the, the U.S. Code of 1874, it regarded the act as an important factor in the protection of the rights of freedmen. Thus, the principal provisions of the Civil Rights Act of 1866 became Section 1981 
of the revised code. Now, this affirmed what Senator Lyman Thumbell asserted on April 4th, 1866, okay, when they said that to be a citizen, I'll read it again, to be a citizen of the United States carries with it some rights. Okay. Now, over the years, the Civil Rights Act was never successfully challenged in the courts. Up until this Byron Allen vote, right? Now, shortly after its passage, it upheld the right of a black woman to ride in the first-class car as provided for by ticket she held. In 1872, the Supreme Court upheld the constitutionality of the act by declaring that it was intended to protect blacks from the prejudices that existed against the colored race, which naturally affected the administration of justice in the state courts and operated harshly with one of the races that, that the, uh, excuse me, and operated harshly with one of that race was a party accused. I don't know if that sense. Now, the act extends to both races the same right and the same means of vindicating them. The courts provided an interpretation of even, of the even-handed uh, nature of the act by insisting that it had secured the rights of white as well as black. Now, as the years passed, the Civil Rights Act of 1866 came to be regarded as the fundamental part of the mechanism that Congress had constructed and that the federal judicial system had upheld to protect the rights of all citizens regardless of race. Now, neither the United States Code, new legislation, nor judicial interpretation dislodged it from its secure position as a vertical bulwark in the protection of the rights of citizens. It's an interesting act. It really, really is. We'll spend more time in this act, right? But um, I, I just wanted to breathe. I really wanted to breeze through it because, you know, Jonah did a really good job in touching on this, but we, a lot of people won't read it. So maybe you'll go back and listen to me reading it. <laughs> and you'll get it, right? But the Civil Rights Act, you need to get a copy of this, Jeff. You need to put it into your cases. Right? You're not a U.S. citizen. You never have been. Now, the funny thing about how these people write laws is they do things off of strategy. In war, right? And so I'm going to give you some strategies of war, some things for you to think about. Okay, and we'll talk about that when we come back. All right, don't go nowhere. Keep it locked. This is right here on the bottom line. I'm your host Joe L. We'll be right back after these messages. Tune in every Monday from 10 a.m. to 12 to Awake with All Set on Evolution Radio, where the revolution is the evolution.
We back, we back. Peace to the God. You see right here on the bottom line on the New Evolution Radio Network. So tonight, we're going over a few things. And, and you know, the Civil Rights Act of 1866, man. Like I said, if y'all haven't taken the time to go back and listen to the show that Zelda did, go check it out. Right? A lot of good information. We really broke it down. Right? The purpose of this tonight wasn't for me to re-break it down for you. Because the nigga already did that. I just read the shit. Now, I want y'all to understand that there are rules to 
engaged in. Right? And every time that we talk about, you know, any of these acts that have been done, you know, we talk about the Reconstruction Act, the Civil Rights Act, we're talking about the Organic Act, any of these fucking acts, excuse my language, right, that we're talking about, what we're really dealing with, you know, it's just it's a warfare here. So what you have to do, right, is you have to become smart with your pen, right? Your pen game. Your pen has to be mightier than the sword. That's what I always should be. Right? The pen game is strong. Now, I read this thing tonight because it's important for you to understand that everything depends on your pen game, your ability to stand on your script, your ability to know this information at the back of your hand. Now, I'm going to give you some some rules to warfare, right? We're going to preface these, and you know, and hopefully, some of these will resonate with you, but not on the side of negativity, right? I want you all to understand that warfare is the best way I can put this to y'all is like this. Sun Tzu said. You know yourself, and you know your enemy. You need not fear the result of a hundred battles. But if you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory that you gain will also suffer a defeat. So if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So you got to know not only who you are, right, more, America's Aboriginal native. National, right? If that's you, right? You need to know who you are, and then you need to know who your enemy is. Now, I'm going to give y'all a few tactics here, right? For what, what, what we would call self-directed warfare, right? And this will help you in your paperwork, John. This will help you when you're in court. Okay, number one. Declare war on your enemies. See, life is an endless battle, right? In conflict. And you cannot fight effectively unless you identify your enemies. Now, you must learn to smoke them out. When you go into these courtrooms, how do you smoke out the prosecutor? That Tresley versus Pacquiao. Your affidavits. Right, you got to learn how to spot them, spot the signs, spot the patterns, because there will always be patterns in these courtrooms. When you're dealing with these people, when you're dealing with the unknown, right? You're even going to get hostility that's going to be revealed to you. Then, once you know who your enemies are, you must declare war, because War is not always an act of, of violence. Sometimes your war is your pen game. Sometimes your war is your paperwork. Okay? We must understand the game of war. Number two, do not fight 
the last war. Most often, okay, most often, people, you know, people suffer in misery because consciously they wage war against themselves, right? You got to be ruthless on yourself. Do not repeat the same methods over and over if they're not working for you. You got to wage guerrilla warfare on your own mind. Literally, if you want some success with it. Right? Not the way I sit there and read that chicken out to y'all, that's all y'all have to do. You got to sit there and read the shit. I get tired of reading shit sometimes, man. You got you to read shit. You got to be a stickler on your own mind. Allowing no static. Right. Number three. Amidst the turmoil of events happening, don't lose your presence of mind. See, when you're in the courtroom, when you're dealing with these people, when you're trying to discharge them, you're doing warfare. And whatever paperwork, and I'm, did we talking about, I'm talking about paperwork here. I want y'all to be, I want y'all to be paperwork. Heroes here, okay. So you can't lose your presence of mind. See, in the heat of the battle, your mind will lose balance, especially in those courtrooms, right? I've seen a lot of people go in there and they shaking their damn boots. One lady I was up and went in there and passed out. And I mean, we must have. Went over what she needed to do a hundred times before she went in there. And she went in there and passed her out. The shit got to her mind. She lost her presence of mind. So it's vital to keep your presence of mind. You got to maintain your mental power. And understand whatever circumstances you're dealing with right now. Because I know a lot of people are dealing with different circumstances. Whatever circumstances you're dealing with. Your mind... Your mind is what makes you real. Your mind is what moves you through the adversity. So anytime you're dealing with this paperwork, right? Most people will come to us and say, look, I need help doing the paperwork. A lot of people have gotten very good at doing their own paperwork. But don't let the presence of your mind become distracted by this turmoil that you have. Right, everything's temporary. Number four. And by the way, these, these are what I call self-directed warfare strategies for you. Okay? When you're in this paperwork game. This is what we're dealing with. Here we go. Number four. Create a sense of urgency and desperation. Okay. You're your own worst enemy. You waste precious time. Okay, every time you go into that courtroom and you don't do what you're supposed to do. Now I've seen cats go in there and not put their motion to dismiss them right away. You need to have a sense of urgency to get rid of that case. You need to have a sense of urgency to discharge your debt. You need to have a sense of urgency to do your nationality. 
Okay. Absolutely got to have a sense of urgency in this whole thing. Okay. All right, let's go to the next one. Number five. And, and this is probably a really important one to do this. Right? And I like this one. And it's important that I actually bring this one up. You need to avoid the snares of what they call groupthink. The command and control strategy, right? So the problem in any leading group, well, right? Any any group that you that you're following is that people inevitably have their own agendas. You have to create a chain of command in which right, people don't feel constrained. Now, check it. Let's say that you know, this is interesting. This this could even apply in your strategy of commerce. Right? Money. Let me let me tell you how we work here. Right? And this is important, right? Because we haven't noticed I have a station. Jonah has a station. Right? We have um, common common goals, right? That we're reaching for for our people, right? That allow us to continuously help people, right? And so, when you come into a platform like this and you learn information, right? Don't get connected to group think. You must always be a thinker for yourself. This is what I'm getting at. Right? I have a station. Jonah has a station. Right? We are self-reliant. We think for ourselves. This is a strategy of war. This is a warfare strategy. Number six. Segment your forces. The controlled chaos strategy. Right? This is this is very important. And now the critical elements in war are speed and adaptability. How fast are you? How fast can you get your paperwork done? Can you adapt to what the fuck's happening? The ability to... Mo- now, check this out. You, you know, they say laws change all the time. The Constitution doesn't change, right? The foundational laws don't change. But sometimes when you're doing certain things, you may need to use... A statute. You may need to use something that works to your benefit. If it's a changing law, can you adapt to that? Can you adapt to that? Can you adapt to change? What about if you was doing your processes wrong? Can you adapt to being able to change how you was doing things wrong? So, you know, an interesting thing is is you know, if you got information, you got a couple partners studying information, y'all might want to spread it amongst each other, right? This is the chaos theory, right? You spread the information out there. See who, see what works. Start knocking at the door. Okay, number seven. Transform war into a crusade. See, the secret to motivating yourself or anybody else, right? Even in this information, is maintaining morale. 
gotta think less about bullshit, more about what you want, more about what helps the group, right? If that's what you work towards, right? Because a crusade against a hated enemy, right? These people kind of, you know, it, it leaves them a little weary. And when I say a crusade, what I'm really saying to you is that when you go into these corners, okay, and you're putting your paperwork down, and I've seen this with my man, Stoop, right? He goes in there and puts his paperwork down. What we're talking about is a crusade. Why? Because he's going in there and we got his back. He ain't the only one who knows his paperwork, right? I know it. My other boy, Elaine knows it. Jonah knows. We know what's happening with each other, right? So if something does happen with your crew, you got a homie that got your back. Here's your crusade. This is why, you know, if you read, you know, they, they allow you to have private counsel, right, as you're supposed to have. When you go into these courts and do things, your private counsel is supposed to allow you to be able to, um, if you will, how can I put this? You know, in the paperwork for you, they're supposed to be like the attorneys on your behalf, you know, shit like that. If you have problems while you're in that court, right? A lot of times people are not able to actually have those, right? Because they don't have number one, the law that stands behind them. And then number two, they're not segmenting their forces. I apologize, y'all. We got to take a quick break. I got a emergency call I got to take. So let's take this emergency call. We're going to come back and we'll finish up. We got a couple more of these strategies that I want to go over with y'all. All right? We'll be right back. Keep it locked. Yeah. Come experience life as we know it. As some of you should know it. Yeah. Yeah. Place, Marcy, Brooklyn, action, well, y'all know the action. Uh, I got the shorty on my block, always clocking my rocks. He likes the style of profile, I think he won the mock. He likes the way I walk, he see my money talking, the honey talking. I'm the hottest nigga in New York, and I see his hunger pains. I know his blood boils, he wanna run with me. I know this kid to be loyal, I watched him make a few wins. The cop his little sneakers and gear, then it's just enough for re-up again. I see myself in his eyes, I move from Levi's to guess the Versace. Now it's diamonds like Liberace, that's just a natural cycle. Nobody wanna be like Michael where I'm from, just some niggas who bounce from a gun. We out here trying to make our white into cold green I could help shorty blow out like Afro Sheen Plus I could relive my days of you, which is gone That little nigga's peak, it's time to put him on Come on, put my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they run to my crown It's time And bringing the drama, trying to come up in the game and add a couple of dollar signs to my name. I'm out here serving, disturbing the peace. Life could be better, like my man reclined in plush leather seats and selling weight. I'm selling eight, bull sixteen, trying to graduate to push your quarters, y'all. I ain't gonna sweat him, I'ma let him come to me. If he give me the nod, then these niggas gon' see. I'm tired of vegan out here round the clock and breaking dates and chasing crackers up the block for my pay. I'm staying fresh, so chickens check. I'm trying to step up to the next level, pushing vets through the J. 
Directly in your equilibrium It's done, I'm waiting for my day to come I got the urge to splurge I don't want a lifetime sentence Just give me the word It's time to come on Can't hold my own weight up in my crown Got to lock it down and when they rise in my crown It's time to come on It's sick of my chest and make some loot Got to lock it down and when they rise in on my own I've been watching you clock Who me holding down this block? It ain't nothing. You the man, nigga. Now stop running. <laughs> I like your style. Nah, I like your style. Let's drive around the world. Cool, nigga. Here's a fact. Oh, gee, I ride with you for free. I want the long-term riches and bitches. Oh, listen to me. You let them other niggas get the name. Skip the fame. Tenth hour, 100 G. Keep your shit the same. On the low. Yeah, the only way to blow. You let your shit bubble quietly. And then you blow. Can't keep it cool. The only way that people fool is let them show his hands and you play your cards. Then these do dealing, I understand. Don't blow your dough on hot. The only thing I got in this world is my work and my nuts. It won't break up for nobody. <laughs> I like your resume. Pick a day. You can start. From now until death, do what's part, nigga. Come on. It hold my own weight up in my crown. Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown. Got to come on. And stick up my chest and make some loot. Got to lock it down and when they ride, till I drown. your mind, right, to understand why, why we give you documents, right, because, you know, in a sense, it's, it's warfare, right, every time you have an issue out there, like one of these police, you get pulled over, you got to go to jail, you got task for this issue, any of this stuff, this is warfare, right, and you must learn the rules, you must learn how to properly conduct yourself, especially you're going to go ahead and stand on your square. Which leads me to my next point, which is point number eight. And this is an important one. It's not one of the most. Because most people don't know when to call it. Right? Some niggas, I heard a story the other day about a nigga that's locked up. For some shit Right up in Jersey And they Tried to plead with this nigga And they gave him 10 And then they was like Nigga we're gonna give you 40 You don't want that 10 We'll plead again with you And we'll give you 40 You know how the prosecutor does Well I don't like it I'm pulling it off the table Right And if your ass don't know your laws If you don't know What protects you You'll find yourself in some bullshit With these people and you won't be able to defend yourself, right? And so, this brings me to number eight, which is pick your battles carefully. So, we all have limitations, right? Our energies, our skills, which you know, only going to take you so far. So, you must know your limits. You must pick your battles carefully. Consider the hidden cost of war. The time that you're going to lose what they call goodwill squandered. Okay? 
But sometimes it's better to wait and come back, right? And I see a lot of y'all do this. A lot of y'all y'all get upset because cops don't fuck with you. Now you want to sue them, but you're not right. You're not ready. You don't have your game right. So at a certain point, you have to come back to it and say, "All right, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this." But you may have to take a seat, pick your battle. Is you ready or is you not? All right, number nine. I'm only going to go over half of these tonight, right? Number nine. Turn the tables. Move first. Initiate the attack. This is what they do. But let me tell you why you don't do that. Because it puts you at a disadvantage. So when I say move first, initiate, you don't do that. You're exposing your strategy when you do that. You limit your options when you do that. So instead, you need to discover the power of holding back and letting others move to your side. Give, which basically, you know, what this does is gives you like um, a ray of flexibility in your strategy. Now, when you're in court, you don't always attack first, but you do need to do things first. But sometimes you need to be a man of, or a woman of little words. Okay. Number 10. Create a threatening appearance. <laughs> now, let, let me just say this, right? Because this is a defense strategy. But when you are in a courtroom and you're trying to defend yourself, right, you have every right to come in there with your Moorish garb on. Do you know how that makes people feel? When you're rocking your national attire? See, most niggas ain't even thought about that. Do you know when you, if you walk into a courtroom with your Moorish garb on, well, You are under Islamic law. Why do you think niggas as Masons go up in the courtroom with Masonic shit on? I keep a star. I got the star David on my neck. You niggas seen it? In the eye of Ra. If I'm not going to do that, I'm going to rock me a fez. If I'm not going to rock me a fez, I might rock me a turban. A tarboosh. Tarboosh. Either way, how you showing up in court? Are you showing up in the courtroom with your paperwork? And are you do you look like your ancestors too? You know, I mean, I'm just saying. You know, you know, we gotta if we're gonna do this, let's do this. Okay. So your opponent. Basically, are really never sure what the hell is going on with you, but they won't find out either. Number eleven, trade space for time. This is what they call a non-engagement strategy. You need to retreat in the face of a strong enemy, but you know what you do is you resist temptation to respond. To an aggressor So if you're in the court And you know you're losing nigga, You need to take a retreat You need to take a step back You need to say How can how can I fix this 
How, how can we do this the correct way? Because a lot of y'all have went into the courtroom and fumbled y'all shit up so bad. It's, it's, it's jumbled and fumbled. And then you have to come and get the shit fixed. Right, so retreat. If you know shit's not going good, man, you need to retreat. I need, I need a continuance, sir. Buy that, buy that time, buy that continuance, so you can get that consultation, so you can holler at me and don't. Okay. A couple more. Number twelve. Lose battle, but win the war. Okay. Now the grand strategy. Is the art of looking beyond the battle and calculating ahead. It requires that you focus on the ultimate goal and then that you reach it. Let others get caught up in the twists and the turns of the battle. Right? The grand strategy will always bring you the ultimate reward. Now, niggas always get caught up in these little battles. Fuck the battle. What's the reward? Is it your nationality? Are you having a little battle in court because they won't recognize? Your nationality right away Is that a battle or is that the whole war If your car breaks down And the battery goes bad But you just need a new battery You don't throw the whole car away do you? That's not That's a battle it's not, it's not a war Like fuck I lost the whole car Can't drive this bitch no more No you still can The car still moves Let's repair and fix what's going on with these battles. Right? Because the battles really are what y'all have in the most issues with. Little battles here and there. Get pulled over. I uh, didn't have my tag registered. I didn't have a license on me. Uh, I told the cop to, to, to go to hell. So he busted my windows out. Whatever the fuck. You see? So. We gotta really be careful about the battles. Alright? 13. Know your enemy. This is a big one. And I and I told you what Sun Tzu says. Okay. The target of your strategy should be less the army you face than the mind of the man or the woman who runs it. So if you understand how that mind works, you have the key to deceiving and controlling it. Now, I don't really like deception, but these people practice that shit, especially when you, um, you know, are kicking their ass. Deception is, to them, that's how they move. That's why they call themselves magi, magistrates. They operate on magic. Right? Now, me, I operate on a higher order of that, so if we're going to use magic, yeah, I'll use my magic. I got some too, nigga. But it's, it's it's not it's not dark magic. It moves it, it moves to a higher vibration, you know. So if if your enemy is practicing that, you damn sure better go up in there with your frankincense and myrrh on. You better go up in there with your spiritual shit on. Straight up, okay. Now number fourteen, overwhelm resistance with speed with suddenness. Be on top of your shit. Here we go with speed again. Don't be slow about putting paperwork in. Okay? If you're slow about putting paperwork in, if you're slow about getting to the to the courtroom on time and you miss the shit, you pay for that shit very dearly. Especially, man, I didn't miss it. I don't think people miss court dates by a few minutes because you're locked up for a couple of weeks. 
these motherfuckers still don't play about that time. Niggas, niggas love to be on CP. Don't be on CP time, man. I'm just giving y'all some rules here. Rules to engage with, man. 15. And I'm going to end with this one for the night. You need to control the dynamic. The people constantly struggle to control other people. Like we got you got problems with this in your relationships. You got problems with this on your work. You got problems with this with your kids. You got problems with this with motherfuckers you don't even know. Niggas are always trying to control everybody else. Control yourself. The only way to get the upper hand on anything, anybody, is to control your intelligence. Control your intelligence. You can't dominate other people. Right? You can't dominate other side. So, if you control the dynamics, then when we go back to our very first point, which is declare war, then it should be no problem for you to control your mind. See, war is not about showing up in the blaze of guns and being tactical and excuse me, it is about being tactical, but not being tactical in the sense of you need to be uh, a damn samurai. No. Everybody is at a different level. Develop your mind. Because this information if you don't Develop your mind. This information won't be useful to you. And I'm not just talking about the shit we just went over, but everything that we deal with all the time. There's archives and archives of shows, so you know if you want to know about something we deal with, go back in the archives. All right. So, all right. With that being said. I've done enough talking for the night. I'm going to go to the call lines and see what's happening out there. we got a lot of people sitting in. If you want to holler at me, this is a good time. Uh, 347-989-0194 if you're in the chat. If you're on the line, press 1, and I'll pull you right in. If you got a question or a comment, or you just want to rap with me, holler at me. Well, also, I don't know why I fucking forgot. We'll be in Chicago. Come out to Chicago. Myself and Jonah Bay. Uh, we'll be in Chicago next weekend, actually. Shoot. 28th. Come on out to Chicago. All right. Going to be at the Marriott uh, Magnificent Mile. 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. You can register at makemorecommerce.com. All right. Don't come with no bullshit. We will have security in that motherfucker. All right, nigga, I, I realize in Chicago, okay? Just so y'all know, we don't play that shit. So, nigga, come ready to learn. Come ready to, you know, spread that positive energy. Don't come on no bullshit. And just know that, nigga, we serious about this, so we'll be there. So you make sure you come out, bring your family, because it's, be, it's a family event, so you can bring your family. So if anybody comes out and they won't be on some bullshit, just know we got security there to handle your ass. Okay, now that's a disclaimer. We love y'all niggas. Come out, 
come get this information with us. Jonah Bay and myself, we're going to be in Chicago. Okay? And we'll be ready and waiting to give you this information. Now, check it out. There's a lot of new information that's being disseminated. Every seminar is not the same. Brother called me from Indianapolis. He said, bro, I went to a seminar in Detroit uh, two years ago, man, and uh, it was a seminar. The name should not be mentioned. Uh, was having, and, man, the damn seminar, man, I, I, I didn't get nothing. So, brother, that wasn't my seminar. So I can't I can't say nothing about that. But what I can say is that when you come to our seminars, you want to leave with a wealth of knowledge that you didn't have before. Everything's always growing. We're growing on this information. Right? All right. With that being said, let's go to the call line and see what's happening. 813-431. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods, Joy. How you doing, bro? I'm good, brother. How you doing? Doing good, man. Hey, man, y'all don't never talk about that act that they mentioned in that act, you know, three years prior to that, that, that 1863. Um, Man, I look like that's man, the key to everything, man. Man, man. man listen, bro. Yeah. Go read it. It deals with the habeas corpus. Man, I just need I need a breakdown of that section five one day, man. When y'all do a breakdown of that, that one, man, I definitely want to hear that section five. Man, listen, bro. I got oh. some tough shows uh, coming up. Uh, I got some real tough shows coming up. I'm I'm gonna deal with coming up soon. I just I ain't I ain't ready to reveal the information yet, you know. But it's I, I got we got some info though. Perfect. Definitely, that's what's up, man. Well, yeah, man, everything worked out for me this weekend, man. So, man, I need to talk to you about that that consultation okay. we had about the shelf course a couple weeks ago, okay, man. Okay, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. So, no doubt. Yeah, I want to get ready? that move. You know where I'm at. I'm ready, man. I'm I'm ready like that's, yesterday, that's good, man. Dude. So, so I'm gonna set up the concert with you tomorrow, man, or tonight, and try to get with you with that, man. Okay, yeah, man. man. That's what's up. Yeah, I'm just sitting there listening, man. I just want to. I want to know when y'all gonna talk about that other act, though, man. Y'all keep reading that one, but y'all mention it, <laughs> but, y'all, but y'all won't go into. It. I read it, but I kind of don't I worry. Think I'm gonna go into it. it. Yeah, I'm gonna go into it. You know, like I said, I went over this yeah. act tonight, so yeah. you know, just to go over it for people, so people can actually, because there's some niggas who went, who won't read it. So you know, yeah. I'm you know, yeah. I'm trying to put it out there. You can hear it. No, but the next one we'll go into because I don't think Jonah's gonna break that one down. You know, I don't think he's will, breaking down was, shit that he's finding that no. that's really significant to things that he's doing right now. Which that's that's super important for everybody. But he put that shit in every case you do. Yeah, but that that Hades Corpus that that is something really important. I think it's something extremely important. Oh, man, that's powerful that, man. too. So. Yeah, but man, I'm just sitting back listening, man. I'm gonna get with you, trying to get with you tomorrow, man, so we can do that. Well, I'm definitely set it up, so be looking out for me, Joe. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready, man. So, yeah, man, I appreciate what you do, like always, man. Peace to the God, man. Thank you for coming on, man.
Damn, they dropped you for talking about that. I got dropped. And I see, man. They dropped you for talking about that. I ain't gonna talk about that no more. <laughs> I got so dropped. I ain't gonna mention that. Wow. Okay, yeah, man. I'm gonna get with you this week, man. Definitely try to get with you. I'm definitely getting with you. Hopefully, you can get with me this week. So I'm setting that up. So yeah, get with me, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no doubt. Set that time up, bro. Yeah. Uh, I got. A, I think I probably got maybe about two, three people I need to catch up with, but. Um, you know, you know, just just set it up, bro. You be on the main, on the list, on top of the menu, Definitely, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to work, man. So I do something the other way. So I'm trying to get to work. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, I holler. No doubt. No doubt. Guys. Okay, bro. I'll talk to you soon. Peace to the, peace to the God. All right, peace to the God. Yeah, buddy. Every time I start talking about certain things, you just quickly three one zero four zero three. What up? Hey, what up, Joey? What's happening? What's going on with you, bro? A little bit of everything, man. Learning every day, man. So, oh, yes, appreciate sir. what y'all hey, putting out there. Yeah. Most, mostly from y'all, man. Mostly from y'all. Uh, no, it's all good, bro. You know, we, we, we learn from all types of sources, you know. Spread. Yep. Spread the knowledge. I learn, you know, each one teach one. I learn something, I turn around and give it to y'all. That's what's up. Yeah, man, I was uh, I was just basically just calling in just to, uh, about that Civil Rights Act, uh, just to you know give you a shout out for uh, breaking it breaking it down again. I, you know, everybody gets these things on their own pace, and I was struggling with it, and then all of a sudden the night listening to you it just kind of clicked because I, yeah, you know, I was it, reading it. it it's and, a it's a big act. It is. It's a lot in there. Really, the most important just in the beginning. That, that's what I was going to say. That beginning was hanging me up because I was looking at, I think I was looking at using it the wrong way. So I'm, am I correct? Like we, I, I we're really a, looking I, at I it. I think a few people have. I think a few yeah. people have. I mean, the, the way I initially looked at it, you know, and and, and you know, uh, Jonah, the way he brought it out, bro. Listen, we're not U.S. citizens, right? You need to put that into your case, right? You need that put the affidavit behind your direct, all that, right? And it mm-hmm. tells you in there specifically who who are who are citizens, but then it also talks about inhabitants, and it also talks about Indians not taxed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, so that's what's my up. thinking is is that yeah, my thinking is to use it, bro. Like, listen, Indians is a misnomer for Moors too. Mm-hmm. You know, because I I was peeping the part. Like where it said, you know, born in the United States and not subject to a foreign power. When you know, with the right. study we've been doing, I realize we are subject to that foreign power. That's the whole thing. Yes, you. Yes, you are. Yeah. And see, that that's the other yeah. reason why I kind of like to act too, because what is the foreign power? Mm-hmm. That's when you got to go to those you know uh, protection in Morocco. But there you go, the protection in Morocco because the United States. It's the corporation. That's the foreign power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that that helps a lot. Now, now I understand it. I was, and I was looking at it too, like when they were first trying to pass it. I, I peeped. You know, I saw a little narrative. Uh, they were talking about it got vetoed by the president like twice, and then they finally 
yes. um, overrode that. And then even after they got it in, one of the senators was saying, like, came back, I think the next year, and was like, yo, we don't have a uh, constitutional ability to do this. And then they went back and did the 14th Amendment. And then I think in 1870, they came back and reenacted it after that. Like, again, like they, right. it was a, it was a lot going on yeah. with this one when they and were trying they, to get it through. They came back again in, in the 1960s and they redid the shit again. Yeah. 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 That was crazy. Listen, bro, I, I wouldn't even be using the one from the 1960s. Right. Yeah, that's all the way. But that, and that's their that's their uh, that's how they get down. They they take everything that's done and then they they flip it and bounce it before we even get a chance mm-hmm. to use it. And uh, yes, they do. And you know, make their own make their own version of it. right. But remember that these joints are still around for you to use. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they they make their own like the, and then try to pass it off like we're supposed to use that one. To keep us away from the real Well, 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 the rules. See, this goes back to what I'm talking about tonight. These rules of engagement is that the occupying, the occupying party, and and, and that's a that is a military term. So the occupying party, who's ever occupying that particular uh, domain, that state, they can go in and change the laws. To fit their needs, right? As long as they are uh, within the scope of how the other laws actually appear. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm not pulling this out my ass. This is I'm not pulling this out my ass. This is straight out of a military manual that I read. Yeah, this is oh, how okay. they do things because in, in order to come in and occupy anything, right? government, you must continue to keep either the form of government that's there, right? If it's if it was a decent form of government, or you must institute a new one. They didn't. If you really think about it, bro, they really didn't institute a new form of government. They took your form of government that your ancestors had. They created. Then they created a fictional one that looked and mirrored it exactly the same way. Yep. With the exception of you're not endowed with all of your rights given to you by your creator, you're now endowed with privileges given to you by your corporate uh, daddy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, they yeah, didn't they get rid of it. They just whatever they want to. Yeah. Made it look like it was abandoned. They didn't get rid of the old one. They just made it look like it was abandoned and put everybody else up under. A, That's why right. if you read the whole shit about aboriginals, they'll tell you that most of the tribes that are unfederally recognized are because those tribes died off and they long they either extinct, no longer exist, or they're not being claimed at this point in time. And then they tell you it takes an average of up, up to fucking ten years to get federally federally recognized. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> now that's what so when they get federally recognized, that's that's just saying, okay, we the United States recognize that you exist. It's not really uh but the ones 
most of the ones that are federally recognized right now are the pseudo ones. That's why they no no no. That's why they put them well, up. Well, well, yeah, well, well, yes to the to the second question, and I would say no to the first one because these are tribes that the federal government says exist by what they call this this uh, uh it's a it's a it's a native it's like native blood is what it's called. You can Google that shit. Native blood, right? And so they say, oh, if you got native blood, we'll give you a certificate of native blood. And this is where you get your $5 Indians from, right? Yeah. Oh, I got native blood. I'm native. There are literally tribes in the United States who have an exemption under the federal government. And these motherfuckers look and talk like Caucasians. Well, that's because so get, the word native, all that native there, means is that you were born here. It doesn't mean there that you you're, go. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, there you go. But see, they're using that, and that's what I'm saying, under the Bureau of Indian Affairs, they're able to get away with that. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens is this, why is this they got rid of the Freedmen's Bureau? There was more. Right. Right. And uh, I don't know if you remember that movie Gangs of New York back in the day. Oh yeah, you, you ever seen that? They they actually kind of touched on that because they had it was you know it was all the Europeans, but it was the ones that were that were born there, and they were they were talking about how they were natives because they you know and and they were you know kind of felt some kind of way about the new people coming coming over still, but they were calling themselves natives. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I I, I do remember that. I do remember that. If you go back in that history, New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Amsterdam. It's, because remember, New York was total island, dog. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a major that was major for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, bro. I appreciate you calling, dog. That's what's yeah, up, no man. That's good no shit. Good insight. Yeah. Anything else you want to drop? Are you good? No, I'm good. Yep. Okay, guy. All, All right, right then. Peace to the God. Yep, peace. Okay, we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to be right back, pay a couple of bills. Uh, you see right here on the New Revolution Radio Network. It's your host, Joey Brown, Cell Bay. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go nowhere. Welcome to NaturalistHerbs.com Treat yourself to the luxury of nature. Coming soon, 100% natural shea butter, natural moisturizer, just for the skin. NaturalistHerbs.com Come get a health reading and find out exactly what your body is missing. Then check out the herbal elixirs that will get your body back to its optimal level. NaturalistHerbs.com While you're at NaturalHerbs.com, get your fill of any one of the natural herbal elixir teas. They have from 1 to 10 the target specific organs and areas of your temple. For your blood, lungs and respiratory system, male and female organs, digestive tract, skin purification, chakras, Rejuvenation of 
experience the power of healing at naturalsherbs.com. Get your organic Irish sea moss at naturalsherbs.com. Get the most out of your body from naturalsherbs.com. You have to fight the constant attacks being waged against your temple. Free shipping on orders $25 or more. While you're at it, go over to MakeMoreCommerce.com and check out the packages they have to provide you with remedy. That's M-A-K-E-M-O-O-R-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Go check it out right now. Is this you discussing Indian blood? We're going to judge people by whether they have Indian blood, whether they're qualified to run a gaming casino or not? Uh, That probably is me, absolutely. Because I'll tell you what, if you look look at some of the reservations that you've approved, you, sir, in your great wisdom have approved, I will tell you right now, uh, they don't look like Indians to me. And they don't look like the Indians. Now, maybe we say politically correct or not politically correct. They don't look like Indians to me, and they don't look like Indians to Indians. And a lot of people are laughing at it, and you're telling how tough it is, how rough it is to get approved. Well, you go up to Connecticut, and you look. Now, they don't look like Indians to me, sir. Thank God that's not the test of whether or not people have rights in this country or not, whether or not they pass your look test. Depends whether, yeah, depends whether or not you're approving it, sir. No, no, it's not a question of whether I'm approving it. It's not a question of whether I'm approving it. Mr. Trump, do you know, you know in the history of this country where we've heard this discussion before? They don't look Jewish to me. Oh, really? They don't look well, Indian to me. They don't look Italian to me. Mm-hmm. And that was a test for whether people could go into business or not go into business, whether they could get a bank loan. You're too black. You're not black enough. I want to find out. You, a, well, then why are you you're approving a, for Indian? Why don't you approve it for everybody then? That's not a, if your case is non-discriminatory, why don't you approve for everybody? You're saying well, you only Indians. Wait a minute, sir. You're saying minutes. only Indians can have the reservations. Only Indians can have the gaming. So why aren't you approving it for everybody? Why are you being discriminatory? Why is it that the Indians don't pay tax? But everybody else does. I do. When I was reading to prepare for this interview, I was quite surprised to see you use the word Aborigines talking about African Americans. You know, I've dealt with that issue. Um, uh, I've already you know, talked publicly about that. And my purpose here today is to say that I'm very sorry, and I apologize to anyone whose feelings were hurt by my comments. I've made very, very clear I don't know where that comment comes from. Um, well, from your subconscious. <laughs> well, I, I guess. I mean, it's not even a normal thing anyone would say, even if you meant something in a negative fashion. I don't know if you would pull that out. But for me personally, you can't just uh, close down camp and stop trying to do the things that you think are right uh, just because somebody, you may, you may give them an unfortunate bit of ammunition. you still got to continue to fight on and, and do what's best for the state in the long run. And but frankly, it's going to give me the opportunity to you know, talk about things that I may never have been able to talk about before. You mean the bill? Well, the bill, or talk about uh, you know, uh, race relations issues, things like that. I mean, I have a freedom that a lot of people don't have because of that. Because you use the word aboriginal. Because I've been through the fire, and I can, I can talk to people, I can relate to people, I can let them know what kind of person I am, and we can talk about things that sometimes have been you know, a little bit taboo. So because it allowed you to reach audiences you might not otherwise have reached 
Do you not regret saying it? I think it gives me some opportunities. I went and spoke to a group in uh, the city of Birmingham. It was a uh, city councilwoman's uh, community meeting, probably 95% African American. And because of, you know, things that I regret, uh, offhand remark I should not have made. Using the word aboriginal. Right, offhand remark I should not have made. Which you don't want to say. Yeah, I know better. <laughs> the, um, uh, but what it allowed me to do, they actually listened to what I said, probably more than they would have anybody else, because they want to see, you know, this is that guy, this is that person. And we discussed immigration, we discussed uh, policy that deals with uh, the county locally, and there was the ability to actually get across some things that may have surprised them, that they you know, realized, okay, I, this guy's making some good sense on some issues. I don't know if I would ever have had that door even opened if some of those things had not happened. So it really has worked as a positive in a surprising way to me to allow me to, to interact with people. Your other incendiary quote was, empty the clip, the gun clip, juxtaposed with immigration, so people right. think that's what you meant. So how do you explain that? Well, it definitely had nothing to do with, with violence against anyone. It was totally taken out of context. The purpose of it was I was telling an audience that we needed to exhaust all efforts to try to deal with a number of issues. But by the time it got through two or three newspaper filters, it was all over the country that I had advocated violence against immigrants. Nothing is farther from the truth. Peace to the gods, bro. Peace to the gods. 
How you doing, bro? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Yo, I got I got to talk about man. You're right about that. Sometimes you got to uh, succeed, man. When you know uh, when you know it's not going in your favor. Have yes, you do. Like that. You gotta, yes, you, you know? do. That that's experience right there, ain't it? Yeah. That's experience to know yeah, when to back the fuck off. Yep. Because uh, I had a little situation. Well, uh, y- y'all used to joke about me, man. Y'all, you whooped the cop's ass? I said, yeah, shit. I ain't know who they were. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember so, that. <laughs> yeah. So, shit, it's either, it's either face a, a, a racist jury or, you know, sometimes you got to listen to the spirit, man. I listen to the spirit, man. He said, put this little motion in. You know, I continue to look case. The, the, the prosecutor ain't putting nothing in. So I'm like, man, see if you accept this. They tried to give me, they tried to give me time. I said, man, now nah, I'm gonna do probation. And you got two days to uh, file your response. What up? So he accepted. You know. So sometimes mm-hmm. you gotta bow down. So speaking of man. Yeah, yeah, he's just, just thirteen, man. He, well, he has probation. I, I, thirteen. I would have to say now. Thirteen. Now, months. okay, hold on now. You got 13 weeks probation. 13 months probation? Yeah, it was 13 months. Okay. Now, you took 13 months probation based off the motion that you put in over... How much time was you looking at? They was trying to give me a year. Yeah. Well, okay. Now, is that supervised or unsupervised probation? Uh, what's this? What I'm on? Shit, I don't know. I, I meet with them once. I met with them once a month. Now I'm on million. I only got one more month. I'm chilling. Okay. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things where you took the path, and I remember your case. Now you took the path. Of yeah. Because that's when the attorney general came you in. You gotta do with your spirit. Come on, man. Yeah, I remember that because you because you you did a five point one, and then they yep. came in. I think you you was the first case I ever seen an attorney general come. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like what? And I, I was, was like, I was like, like oh, oh, I don't know what to do, bro. You actually did what you stop that? Yeah, they got video. Of you yeah, shit. It was in the casino, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you was in the casino, nigga. They gave you a couple of drinks. I was in the casino, shit, nigga. You know, you know. Yeah, you handling you handling your business and shit. Yeah, so you know, I, I did everything I was supposed to, man. You know. Shit, I'm good. But speaking of, man, you come to my city, this man. Is What's this up, man? Is this, uh, Tano? You? Yeah, man. My, my okay, Snapchat was too much for you, man. I ain't want to say it wrong. No. I, I, I ain't, man. Man, you, man, this is the most lit nigga on Snapchat ever. <laughs> hey, lit. when you touch down, man, we got you still on your vegan, man? I got to take you to some spots, see? Yeah, man, we still on the vegan tip, man. No doubt. Definitely still on the yeah, vegan man. tip. Um, when you take yeah, down to the shop, man, um, so I can take you to uh, the spot. I'll, 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 be, I'll be there next week, bro. I'll be there next week. I know. I'll I'm definitely going to hit you, man. You know, you change your number. You change drones. Yeah. Listen, bro. You know, John, I'm going to move like steaks, man. I'm like, God damn, bro. I still move like I'm in the streets, bro. Yeah, yeah, we, we go we go touch down, man. I'm gonna see y'all there, man. We go touch down before then. Okay, God. Yeah, let's definitely All do right. that. You already know what's up. All right, God. Good to hear yep, from you. Yep. All right. Okay, peace, bro. Peace. Peace. All right, let's go to uh, 407-668. What up? Peace to the God, Joe. You can hear me? 
Hello? Oh, yeah. What up? What up? I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, What's going on? I just make it sure. Yeah. What's good, G? What's good? What's good, bro? Lit. I'm wonderful, brother. Wonderful, magnificent, great. You know, I'm here listening um, to the show. I see you was going into that 1866, Joey. I was. I absolutely was. Was that the same case that I sent to you? Yeah, but I couldn't actually find the case. You want to send it to me again. Heard that, heard that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good shit, 1866. I want to ask you a question in combination with that, if that fits. I was talking to my cousin today, and he was just, he's not on this information or nothing like that, but he was just like, you know what, he had three children, and his last child never got vaccinated, right? And he said, man... I noticed the difference in my child that did not get vaccinated, right? So now, you hear me, right, Joe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he was saying, uh, what way could he not, because he's about to go to school and shit, what way could he fight to not vaccinate her and going forward? So I wanted to, Well, that's you a know, pretty simple thing. Out. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. simple. So if, you, if you're vaccinating your, your children... Number one, um, you know, obviously, because you don't know the difference, you know. So if you're being sure. forced to vaccinate your kids, right, that 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 shouldn't be happening. So mm-hmm. to stop a forced vaccination, you're going to have to use religion and the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And depending on what's the, what state is it, Florida? Yes, sir. Yeah, they, they have vaccination exemptions. Um, paperwork that you can fill out down there, or you can do your own affidavit, or, or you go to the website. I got a, I got an exemption on there uh, specifically for that, and we deal with that. Heard that. Heard that. Heard that. Yeah. I was just, that's a pretty easy up, one. Heard that. Heard that. That's yeah, that's, pretty, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's pretty straightforward, bro. Mm-hmm. Heard that. Heard that. What I was because you know why I'm on the information, so I understand. I didn't want to give him, you know, I just wanted to see a perspective because I know I'm on the, I'm working on the private side, so I know I just use the Constitution to shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Um, you what else did say? Uh, okay, can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Uh-huh, yep. Oh, yeah. Um, on your website, do you have, um, what else did I have to do? Shit. Um... Ah, damn, man. I forgot what I was going to ask you, G. <laughs> About the website. Oh, uh, that's all right. Uh, I, I can't even remember. Remember, let me know. Hold <laughs> right, up, Joey. Peace to the God, man. I'm listening. That's what I was going to ask all you. Right, I got God, it, Joey. Please. Oh, uh, listen, listen, okay, listen. Hold up. Are you going to have the um certified copy of the 1866 on your website? Or any, oh, no, any no, other website you're affiliated them. with? No, it's not. Well, you can get them from the seminar, or you can hit us up. In the private, heard, heard that, heard that, no doubt. All right, Joe, yeah, let's go next call. I don't have those on the site. Yep. Heard that. Much love, Jerry. Peace. All right, God, peace. All right, peace. Hello? 
George. Okay, it dropped me. All right, let's go to seven seven three four five seven. Yeah, this, this is me again, man. You, since we do commerce, yeah, man, up? I know you said you bring a security. You know, like I'm on a security company, man. I'm trying to see if y'all got got your contracts already. Oh, uh, you got your security company? Reach out. Yeah, reach out to me. You know, I can always yeah, use yeah. security for some other things, though. So reach out to me. All right. All right, I got you. I'll hit you in the private. Okay. Okay, Tano. All right. Peace to God. All right, peace. All right, I don't know what happened. Y'all cut me off. All right, uh, three four seven nine eight nine zero one nine four. Y'all got about hmm, give y'all a few minutes, man. Y'all want to ask some questions? Matter of fact, y'all can't ask about other shit now. Seven two zero two two seven. What's up? Peace, peace, peace. Peace to the God. Peace. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. What's up with you? Peace to the God. Literally, Mo, I just called in, bro. Like, I swear to God, I just called in. You picked me. Like, uh, I missed the show. I'm going to oh, go back man. and listen to it. Uh, yeah, man, a lot of shit been going on, but goddamn, uh, peace to the God, man. Uh, just a general question. I'm the brother that called you about the tax certificate if you overnighted it. Oh, you know what? Um, So last week, I actually got a bunch of them that we didn't send out, man. I had okay. some family shit going on, bro. I, I can't man, me too, man. Knows, I, man. Yeah, yeah my, you, my accident was in hospice last week, bro. So I had, I had some family yo, they shit talk, going on. Yo, my so dad I, just I had three blood, blood transfusions last yesterday. My, my father had three blood transfusions uh, yesterday. Either, bro. I, I, it's all good, man. I, I I feel the wave, you know what I'm saying? But Nah, yeah, yeah. But but you know what? I got, I got so many people, bro, that, you know what I'm saying, I'm obligated to... To deal with man through this radio, mm-hmm. so anybody y'all been waiting on my shit like Jim Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> I tell you what, in fact, I'm gonna call you when I get off the line, so I can get okay. you the information that you need. All right. Um, okay. And also, just so anybody knows, man, if anybody doesn't have a product that you pay for, get with me because I'm gonna give you some reciprocity to make sure that y'all good. You know, even if we gotta give you half of your bread back. You know what I'm saying? If it's something like that, so you know we we we, we going forward. Bro, hey, trying to make all, all I'm gonna do, dog. all I'm, I'm gonna do is no bullshit with people. <laughs> yeah, if you do that, it's, it's all I'm gonna do money. is it's too much money out here, it's too much commerce, bro. Let me just say, yeah. Because the thing people. is, I gotta get a. Because the thing is, I gotta get another one anyway. Because I was listening to man some old shows, and you was like, we gotta get the one for the spiritual name and the strong man name when we want to go through the passport and to make everything easier. This, this is this is this is true. I'm working on right now. We working on um, a machine, right? And, and hmm. once we get this machine, we'll be able to do the Aboriginal, the actual Aboriginal ID joints, right? So we working on those oh. right now. See, I thought this was so, this was actually those, that, but this is those, those, those are certificates. Those are certificates. Okay. So the, the way those the way those work is when you get the certificate, you need to mm-hmm. sign it, you laminate it. Okay, mm-hmm. then you're able to use it when you're doing your commerce. You go, you buy mm-hmm. something from the store, you can use it. You right? If you want to go Home Depot and you spend thousand dollars, it's going to take the tax off. It's for right. taxes. It okay. also has your nationality on there. Up, they're updated. We've updated those. So. 
If anybody okay. has an old one, y'all can also reach out to me, and I'll update the old one. Right. Mm. So yeah, uh, okay. we, we've updated them, man. They've changed quite a bit, man. I actually like. I found out, man. It's some niggas out here, dog, that been basically stealing the work. So now Damn I got shit. That's yeah. crazy. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's what this is what niggas do. We bootleg shit all the time. It's not crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's real life. It's what niggas do. So what we have to do is is create another level of protection. Um, <laughs> because understand this, bro. More people getting their nationality done now. More people becoming more. More people going to yeah. Process. You got and celebrities actually, out actually here telling people do. this shit. Well, this is true, but but you actually got niggas who actually need this information. Yes, like, it's man. Niggas who, yes. who who need certificates. There's it's, it's a lot of people I'm, who don't have a exemption. You said it's a lot of people that don't have what? A tax exemption. Mm, right. True. 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 Right. Mm. So yeah, man, I, I'll get with you in the private though, bro. Okay. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna see you. This, I'm gonna see you uh, at the end of the month, man. I already got everything ready for the seminar too, man. So we're gonna meet in the flesh. Come on out. D D. But yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to listen to the show. I literally just called on, man. I was like, damn, I hope they I hope they ain't done and you called me. So yeah. Go back and check it out, All bro. Peace. Yeah, yeah, I will, yeah, man. I will. Of course. Yeah, yeah, go back and check it out, man. That's a lot of good information we dropped tonight. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't forget to hit me uh, you know what I'm saying, after the show over too. <laughs> I I ain't sure the problem, brother. All right. Indeed, indeed. Peace. All right, peace. Uh, let's see where we at. Uh, that's it, man. That's the show. We're gonna be in Chicago this week. You wanna hot? Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this, this week. Shit, it's coming up fast. So we'll be in Chicago this week. Go to makemorecommerce.com to register. Remember, it's a little bit more at the door. All right, we gotta cover all the fees and shit. So it's cheaper to do it in advance. So get your advance tickets. All right, my man Jonah Bay will be there. I also be there. All right, and we're gonna come bring that information. MakeMoreCommerce.com. You need to get with me, and I'll holler at y'all soon. All right? Peace to the gods. We out of here. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.